Blog Talk Radio. Pause I Am Radio with your host, Robert Brining, sharing stories from across the United States and around the world. To join the conversation, call 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. Each week, we'll bring you our exclusive HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause I Am Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to our live edition of Pause I Am Radio. This is Robert Brining. I'm joined by my fabulous co-host, the one and only Tennessee native, Brady Dale Morris. Hello, Brady. Good afternoon, Robert. Hey, everybody. <laughs> yes, it feels good to come to y'all this week. I am in Nashville, back home. Even though it is as cold as all get out and rainy, no snow or ice or anything for us here in Nashville this week. Yeah, it's cold, cold, cold here in Philly. We got the heat cranked up and blankets and scarves out and everything. Yeah, but at least do you have any snow to look at, though? Not yet. We had a little snowstorm last week, and we got, like, a little dusting, which was, you know, pretty for pictures. And, but by the time I got done work, it was gone. Gone. I gotcha. Yeah. That's the only way that that's the only way cold could be worth it for me is if there's snow on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I like the snow. I like the snow. So, um, so um, what else is new with you, Brady? Um, uh, I know you've been traveling back and forth. You're back in. You said you said you're in Tennessee. Is are you there for good this the whole week or like what's coming up? <laughs> no, of course not. You know me. I don't stay in one place too long. Um, I actually leave um, in the morning heading off to D.C. I'm going to the Ryan White Conference, um, and I'll be there all week. I'm looking forward to this conference. It'll be the very first time I've gone to a Ryan White Conference, even though this is my third year um, having been involved with uh, the local Ryan White Party Planning Council. Um, It'll be my first time to go, so I'm looking forward to a whole lot of new networking and, and just some good technical instruction as to how the whole Ryan White program works and how to make it more efficient here in Nashville. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's really cool um, that I've never been to uh, that conference uh, or really involved on that kind of uh, a level with the planning councils and things. So, you know, everybody has their own little niche in advocacy and I'm glad for people like you who do um, fill in those, those voids that I, I'm not able to do and, and to, to stay connected because that's important. Ryan White and what's happening. It is. It, it is, and that's why I feel, um, you know, so committed to this chairman position that I have here in Nashville um, with the Planning Council because we have a direct impact as to how the funding that we get from the federal government is spent in our local area. So it's, it's vital to, I, I believe, to be involved um, and to not let others, especially or some of those who have no idea about what it's like living with the virus, making those decisions for us. So, so uh, it's, it's to me, I think it's. I just feel obligated, and uh, and it's something I actually enjoy. No, and it's important for you know for us people living with HIV to have a seat at the table. So, you know, I thank you for for doing what you do. Um, you know, a lot of people were contacting me over the last few weeks via Twitter. Um, so there goes that idea. Um, via Twitter for um, asking <laughs> about uh, 
are are, are um, rise up to HIV positive messages, and where have they gone? So to answer the tweets, um, I have brought some of them back. I was able to find some of the old emails because at the time when we started doing these messages, Aaron Laxton actually was co-hosting with me. So I had some old emails that I found that he sent to me that had the files on it. So I'm able to actually now play one for you. So how about I go ahead and play our, our friend uh, Charlie Treadway. Um, so um, he's been on the show before. So here's his positive message for Rise Up to HIV. My name is Charlie Treadway, and I'm an HIV-positive gay male. And I was diagnosed... Um, a week after my 22nd birthday, which could go on record as the worst birthday present humanly possible. It took me a long time to get past these sort of feelings where I was dirty, I was less than, I was a disgrace, I was a failure. A lot of these things that come from the sort of public perception around HIV, you know, HIV, unlike any other condition, all the slack that we get just really comes from a moralistic sort of a place where people can blame it on being a slut or put you in a little box or make you feel shitty about yourself so that you sort of can't live your life with transparency. And it took me a long time to sort of work through these feelings of inadequacy, these feelings that I was never going to be loved, and to realize that that sort of stigma and that bullshit it's totally unacceptable and it actually has no bearing on who you are as a person. I, like you and every other HIV positive person, is a strong, wonderful, phenomenal, powerful, interesting, sexy and amazing as you have always been. And HIV doesn't change that at all. So you need to celebrate and live your life and not be hindered by it because really at the end of the day, HIV can have as much of or as little of an impact as you allow it. I choose to live my life with transparency. I choose to make the most out of everything. And I'm going to have the best, the most amazing long life. And HIV doesn't have a damn thing to do with that. There you have it. Thank you, Charlie. And thank you, Kevin Maloney. And rise up to HIV for more positive message uh, messages. You can go to the Facebook page or you can go to their YouTube page, Rise Up to HIV, and you can find a whole bunch of them there. They're amazing. I still never set mine in and feel bad about it. But, um, yeah, I, I'm glad that I have those to play again because they were very touching. We had a lot more. They so are. I have another one for later on today. So I want to move on to today's guest, um, our guest today is Henry Goldring. Uh, he is a author. Uh, his book, Unbelievable, is a memoir that I believe is coming back out. Uh, he's going to give us the details because it was out previously at Orange and Nobles, I believe, and I think they're uh, re-releasing it again. Uh, he's just a really busy guy. He does a lot. He was just recently here, actually here in Pennsylvania speaking in Westchester. He invited me to come here and speak, but actually it's a little far for me, Westchester. It's not as close as um, it sounds. Um, same state, uh, not as close. So he was uh, speaking here, I believe, on um, LGBTQ Jews in the U.S. and in the United Kingdom. So that's kind of interesting to you know, get his take on that. So please help me welcome Henry to the show. Henry, are you with me? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Welcome, welcome. How are you? Um, thank you. Well, I'm getting over a little cold, so you have to excuse me. I have D in front of me, so we'll make this work. Well, you I got tea, it. I got coffee. <laughs> oh, okay, that's all right. <laughs> well, thank you so much We're, for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. 
No, thank you for reaching out. It's always, uh, for me, it's always uh, an experience to have somebody come on and, and somebody who, you know, I, I haven't heard their story or somebody who out of the blue and, you know, your book is out. So I want to talk about everything that you've been doing because you, you are a busy man. Well, it's true, but I mean, just to piggyback on what the previous guest uh, recording you played on, um, there's many versions of advocacy, and I don't really consider myself an AIDS activist. I mean, I'm a trained actor and singer and musician, and I use that to spread my message. And even though it's a specific message, my my message is universal because even though the specifics are to us as queer men with HIV, everybody goes through crap in their life. Everybody goes through challenges. Everybody thinks they're alone. Everybody thinks that they're unloved. I mean, ours is a special case, but it's not the only case. And through my book, as you said, it was the name of the book is Unbelievable, <laughs> because my life has been unbelievable. Unbelievable, <laughs> great and unbelievable, oh, my God. So I thought that was a great <laughs> title. It was first released eight years ago. Thank you for laughing, because you understand. Um, and because I also, this month, your article in A&U Magazine, I thought it would be a great opportunity to re-release my book. So I wrote a new forward, did a few edits, have a new updated author picture because in eight years, and it's going to be out um, probably in two weeks. And just a little ad here, there'll be a website. It's unbelievablememoir.com. That's U-N-B-E-L-I-E-V-A-B-L-E, memoir.com. And also, as you said, it's Barnes and Noble and on Amazon, but it traces my story from a Midwest boy in a little small town growing up as the only Jewish boy in town and realizing that I like to twirl the baton instead of playing football. So dealing with all of those differences early on really prepared me later in life for dealing with being gay and then HIV positive and all my family you know, challenges that it's in the book that I've, you know, gone through. But my message is also because I'm also a musician, I'm a songwriter, I have adapted this book into a full-length musical, which I'm in the process of getting that produced. So it's different levels of talking with you and the book and the magazine and now this musical, it's all sort of coming together. And also, I'm rambling on here, but, you know, I'm from a different generation. I'm 63 years old. So I've had a lot more experience, for better or for worse, you know, coming out in an era where it wasn't fashionable, where the word queer was an attack. Now the word queer, you, you know, you own it, just, you know, be proud of it. And that's a, a whole different viewpoint, too. So a lot of things have changed. But what hasn't changed, I feel, is the perception of an HIV person, and I think you can relate to that, too. Oh, well, let me ask you this, uh, Henry. So uh, you've you got a lot to talk about, you know, your book, the musical. I, I, I want to talk about the song that we're going to play a little bit of it later because the, the link you sent me was perfect. It worked great. Um, oh, and great. I want to talk about your speech here in Pennsylvania. But I, I want right. to talk about, take me back to the day that you were diagnosed. Tell me right. a little bit about what that day was like for you. 
Oh, well, those days that you remember, um, well, this was early on because for many, many years there was no test, and I was never sick. I never, other than a cold or flu, I never had any symptoms. And also, remember, these are the days where the term uh, safe sex it wasn't even in the vocabulary. It wasn't even in the vernacular. So I decided that I would go to the local health clinic in Los Angeles and be tested, and I had absolutely no fear or worry that I was positive. And in those days, you had to wait two weeks. So I waited my two weeks, and I went back to the clinic, and I was ushered into a little room, and the nurse came in, and she says to me, what do you think? And I said, well, I think I'm negative. She said, well, you're not. And she gives me some pamphlets, and that was it. Well, you're not. I mean, all of a sudden, your whole life is upside down. Um, it was devastating because going back to the generational difference, there were no support groups. There was no, you know, there were few doctors that really understood the disease. So there was no one to talk to. It was a very lonely experience. What year was this? Uh, well, I was officially diagnosed in the early 90s, but I know that I was infected in the early 80s because I can look back of the symptoms back then. And as I said back then, oh, it's just swollen glands or it's just a fever. And and um, they just sort of brushed off because nothing was prolonged. I mean, I was infected and the virus was doing its thing before it became pronounced. So it's been 35, 36 years. Wow. wow. Well, we can tell from, from everything that you're doing, Henry, that HIV is definitely not holding you back. I mean, between this memoir, you've got, what, two, two – you're a playwright. You've had, you have two productions you've written, one based upon your memoir, correct? Right, that's correct. And then let's see, some of the other stuff you, I would love to hear. Talk about working with the author. <laughs> well, yeah, right. B. Arthur. Well, before the Golden Girls, she was on a series called Maud, and Maud, Maud the character. Right. Yes. And then there's Maud. Maud was a, and then there's yes, Maud. Yes, that's it. Maud was <laughs> a, this is a great story. I used to watch it well, on Nick at Night. <laughs> well, that's I'm on the show. Well, this is a great story because it came full circle last year. Norman Lear hired me for my very first acting job in 1976. I was right out of acting school, and I was cast on this episode of Maud with B. Arthur. And listen to this. The episode, the theme of the episode was they were opening a gay bar in Tuckahoe, New York, which was where the character Maud Finley lived. Remember, 1976. Well, everybody in the town was up in arms. You're not going to open the gay bar except Maud to the rescue. She was going to make sure they opened the gay bar. That was the episode, right? And it had a little bit on the show. So my family is in front of the television set ready to watch me, and the CBS affiliate out of Cleveland that night would not show that show. They blocked it out because of the adult content. Wow. So that was my debut on television. It never got shown. Well, let's, okay, I had 45 years. Last summer I was in L.A., and I was lucky enough, I was guest at the Outfest Festival, which is the Gay and Lesbian Film Festival of L.A., and Rita Moreno was going to be presented an award. Well, I was choosing and sorting around before the presentation, and I met one of the men on the committee, and I said, I'm so excited because 
Rita Moreno is getting the award. Well, he said it's a secret. Norman Lear is going to present the award to Rita Moreno. Well, I told this man my my Norman Lear story. Well, he marched me up to Norman Lear and introduced me, and I said, Mr. Lear, I want to thank you. Forty-five years ago, you invite, you hired me for my first acting job, and I told him that that show was was blacked out. It was too racy to show. Well, the moral of the story is, you see how far we've come that in 1976, you couldn't even mention the term gay bar on a network television show. It was too risque. So, right. you know, here he is, Norman Larry, he's 93 or 94 years old. And what a great example of taking a chance, doing what's right, and, you know, the hell with, you know, public opinion, you know in your heart what's right. And that's a lesson for me and for all of us. You have to you do what is true to you. And that was right. a wonderful experience for me to meet Norman Lear after all the years. Well, I just find it amazing. 76 is the year that I was born. So to see how far we've come in my lifetime. And awesome. and, oh, and I'm, the baby on the, I'm the baby so on the show today. I'm You're sorry? The baby, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was born in but 79. Say, that makes me the baby. <laughs> but you will, that's the trouble when you get a, the people will always be, I'll always be older than somebody. But which is, <laughs> you know, for me, which is really a, a, an amazing thing. And that's the other reason why I do what I do, because I'm so lucky. I'm the luckiest boy in the world. So many of my contemporaries are just not here, have died. And for some lucky star, here I am going on with my life. So it is my obligation to make sure that those other boys never die, you know. And this is what's different because – I'm sorry I'm talking a mile a minute, but I just want to let you know that – But, you know, this this guest, he's going to the Ryan White – presentation, or I forget what he called it. I mean, we need people like that to do that, and so on panels and committee and what I did last weekend in Pennsylvania. But what I do is, like, you need social justice and social conscience, but if I can, you know, touch the heart of a stranger through a song and make a difference in their life, that's my advocacy, you know? That's what I do. Absolutely. That's my, you know... So, I mean, we, what we do, there's all kinds of you know, reaching out and touching in different ways. Through writing, yeah, through music, through speaking. You know, it doesn't have to be just one thing. Right. Well, it's all, like you say, Henry, we're all folks in a wheel, and the more wheels that we have turning this wagon, the, the easier it'll be. So so we all right, have our right. part. Play our part. Right. While we're on comedians or, or, or celebrities, I want to know what it was like to open up for Joan Rivers. Well, that's another great story. It's in my book, but I'll tell you. Um, I was working in Beverly Hills at the time. There, you're familiar with New York Magazine? Well, at one time, yes. there was a sister magazine called New West Magazine, and I was assistant to the editor, and their offices were in Beverly Hills. So at lunchtime, I could never afford to eat lunch in Beverly Hills. So I would walk around. Well, there was a little club called Ye Little Club on Camden Boulevard in Beverly Hills. And out front was a photograph of Joan Rivers, and it said, every Monday night, Joan Rivers will be appearing. I thought, this is great. Well, what she did was 
she would appear every Monday night to try out new material with an old tape recorder. Some jokes were good, some jokes were bad. But I went every Monday night, month after month after month, and I sat at the bar and ordered my club soda, and I think it was like a $5 cover charge to see Joan Rivers, wow. right? So one night I reached for my wallet to pay for my $8 tab, and my wallet was gone. I thought, oh, God, I'm going to be arrested. And the bartender says to me, because we knew each other by then, don't go away. And I thought, oh, Lord, what's going to happen? So he comes back and he says to me, Joan's going to pick up your tab. She sees you here every Monday night. What? (laughs) Joan Rivers knew I was there every Monday night. So I thought, oh, dear. So at the end of the show, I run around to the back of the kitchen door and wait for her to come out with her husband, Edgar. And first thing she says to me was, what are you doing trying to steal my material? I said, no, I'm a singer and I'd love to open for you. So she hands me her business card and she says, send me a tape. And I made a demo tape and sent her a tape and her manager called me and I was hired. I mean, it was like one of those, you're in the right place at the right time and you take advantage of that opportunity. Right. But then, yeah, you know, I mean, that, that was it. Boom. And Joan said to me, you know, someone took a chance on me once, so I'm going to take a chance on you. I mean, that's generosity. And that's, you know, her stage persona is over-the-top wonderful. But, you know, she went through hard times, too. She was a woman. She was a comedian. And, you know, all of that stuff, she was Jewish. You know, all the prejudices came into play because she wanted to do what she wanted to do. And everybody can relate to that, you know, and she can relate to my story, too. So she was very good to me early on. Very sad that she's not here anymore. Mm. It is. Very much so. But that's my Joan Rivers story. (laughs) Nice. But it opened lots of doors for me to say I opened for Joan Rivers, you know. (laughs) I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. So uh, speaking about song, I do have um, one of your songs here. I was going to play a little bit of it so people can okay. hear it. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about Well, you want to know the Genesis? Song? Well, yeah, let me ask. It's called New Year's Eve. And there's another great story about this song because it goes back to, you know, the rotten things in your life. you got to turn around. Well, um, I was playing the piano around L.A., and there's a wonderful comedy club, I think it's still there, on Sunset Boulevard called the Comedy Store. And that's where Robin Williams started and Richard Pryor started and David Letterman started. Well, um, a friend of mine was a house pianist, and he wanted to take New Year's Eve off. So he asked me if I would play on New Year's Eve. And since I did not have a date, I was very sorry for myself. I said, sure, I'll do it, right? So, wait a minute, I'm going to take a sip of tea here. (laughs) So New Year's Eve day in the afternoon, I drive up to the comedy store for a sound check and tell the owner that I'm going to be playing tonight. And on my way back, driving down Sunset Boulevard, I don't know if you've ever been in L.A., but there's, it's like Times Square, there's, Billboard after billboard after billboard are these beautiful people selling cologne and cars and movies and everything, you know, this, and I'm feeling more and more sorry for myself because I don't have a date on New Year's Eve. I have to play the piano in this smoky club, right? So I go get back to my apartment and I have a rented piano and I sit down at the piano and this song comes out that you're going to be playing because I was feeling sorry for myself and I wrote this song. 
here we have it, New Year's Eve by Henry Goldring.
Well, thank you. And I mean, and that's the point to that great word universal that yes, we are these things. It's just sort of, I sort of not have said that's not the right word, but you know, LGBTQ and then there's everybody wants to add their own letter. The point is you can add your own letters, you know, years, but you have to find out who you are and be true to yourself and how you can relate to everybody else. You can't live in your own bubble like what, like people go, I went to this gay club, I went to this gay restaurant. Great, but I'm going to go to a good club or a good restaurant or a nice, mm. you know, don't limit yourself. You know, there's a whole world right. out there. That's I mean, true. I was born in a little town in Ohio. And then, I mean, I'm not judging, but there are still people that continue to live in that little town. Oh, that's great. But, you know, going to Cleveland or going to New York or, you know, it's it's scary to get out of your bubble. I mean, you have to experience there are other people that are different, but it doesn't mean they have to be scary. No? Absolutely. Yeah. And then what you do, too, you you bring it, you know, you let people realize. We are people just like everybody else with feelings and emotions. You know, we want to be loved. And that's what I want to do with my book and the musical, that, yes, it's my story. But my story is your story, is the person's ex-tour story. It's your first grade teacher story. I mean, it's everybody's story because there's that common thread of needing to be loved and honored and respected. And that's all we really want. I totally agree. Just real quick, I want to open up the phone lines. I see some people sitting in the queue on hold. Um, but if you want to actually speak to us or have a question, press the number one button so it brings you on. Um, the number is 929-477-3572. Um, what kind of advice, Henry, would you give to somebody who is just finding out that they are newly um, HIV positive um, and is, is kind of looking for support? or looking, like, don't know where to turn? Oh, well, I think it all starts just finding a great doctor. I'm very lucky. Um, If you, usually in most doctor's offices today, they have many areas of support of groups or individual counselors or, you know, um, party. I mean, you know, not party party, but, I mean, you know, potlucks, just a mixers to go to to make you feel that you're not alone. But I think primarily, don't be afraid. Go to your doctor and tell them what's going on with you and take their advice. Try to know that you aren't alone. You have to reach out. Mm. Go to your local gay and lesbian LGBTQ center, and you have to get out of your cocoon and realize that you cannot do this by yourself. You have to include other people in your life. I think that's the most important thing. That is true. You definitely can't do this alone. We do have a caller. It looks like from the same area as you, so area code 330. Who's this and where are you calling from? Hello? Hi, who's this? This is Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. How are you? All right. And I am calling on behalf of me and Joyce Fast. And we want to tell you how proud we are of you. Thank you so Thanks much. I, I know this. you. I know you, Cheryl. I know you know me, darling. <laughs> I want to tell you that how proud I am that you're doing this. And it's not just for gay people who are different, but also like for people for me who are different. And Joyce and I just wanted to tell you 
Comrades, we love you. Oh, that means the world to me. Let me tell the audience, Joyce Fast was my high school senior English teacher. Uh, Oh, wow. Yes, and she's with us. Hello, Joyce Fast. I love her dearly. She helped me with my book, you know, Fixing the Punctuation. And Cheryl is is the president of your fan club. Well, I know that. <laughs> the, the official and unofficial. And Shell is her uh, you know, right-hand person taking care of her. So thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. All right. Love you. Hope to see you soon. Thanks, Cheryl. Bye. Thank you for calling in, Cheryl. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. How about oh, that? My high school around, English right? teacher. <laughs> That's awesome. That, that, hit me. that hit me right in the field really hard. That was amazing. Thank you. That's, How about that? Wow. Do you? Um, I actually, uh, that's kind of weird. It's made me think of my teacher. I'm actually friends with my teacher, some of my teachers on Facebook from when I was in grade school. It's ironic. Well, here's another story. Briefly, my mother was also an English teacher, and when I was in college, this is before emails or cell phones. I would write letters home, and she would send them back to me with corrections. How about that? Huh. <laughs> And she said, one day you'll thank me for this, which is absolutely true. So I had many teachers in my life who really were, that's another thing. You know, if you you go back in your life and you think those moments that they stay with you forever, like this Joyce Fast, what a wonderful experience, you know? (laughs) They really do. And, uh, I mean, not uh, to pat myself on the back, but, you know, I hope that what I do through my writing will, you know, hopefully make a difference in someone else's life. That's my job. Well, Henry, real quick, um, you said, or in your intro and everything, we said that you are the author of two productions, one of those based off your memoir. What is your other theatrical production? Well, the other one was all, was an autobiographical, but it was like a, it was a one-man show, and I did it in L.A. in the early 90s. And that was also an experience because in 1992, very few people would get up on stage and say I'm gay and say I'm HIV positive. So, I mean, but here, could, do you have time for one brief story? This is a great story. Um, after sure. that show, the production, you know, I'm here I'm singing and dancing about my life. There's a knock on my dressing room door. And I open the door, and there's this older woman, and I can tell that she's been crying, and I don't have any idea who she is. So I said, well, may I help you? And she said, well, I've never known a homosexual person before, and I don't know anything about this AIDS thing, but I read about you and your show in the L.A. Times, and last week I was diagnosed with terminal cancer, so I wanted to come and hear what you had to say. Thank you very much. Whoa. I mean, that's the whole point. Here's this woman, had no idea, no connection, nothing about the, you know, queer, gay world or AIDS or anything, but she had her own medical problem, and she wanted to hear what I had to say about my medical problem, and it made a difference in her world. And that's the best, you know, that's the most wonderful thing. It's funny you say that. that I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, it's funny you say that. Um, the very fact that how you're mentioning that 
that you could connect on a human level with someone else through the, your own diagnoses, even though they're they're extremely different. Right. They the, the emotion, everything that that comes with a diagnosis such as such as ours, it how, how it can bring people together, and that's universal. And it's funny, Robert and I are actually working on a project. Um, and similar to, to that, to, uh, that speaks to that. It's very funny, very ironic. Exactly. Well, I think that that's not a mistake. That's not the right word. But you, we limit ourselves. The queer world limits yourself. You have to talk broadly and universally. That's when you get people to understand. You know, it's like preaching to the choir. Like, we get it. You know, we're not the problem. It's the other people that need to understand what we're going through. Because, as I said, they're going through the same thing. The specifics are different, but they're going through the exact same thing. Like this woman, she was felt what I was feeling. Right, right. Well, Henry, we're going to put you on hold again just for one moment. We are going to play another positive message. This is coming from Robbie from Ireland. Um, Thanks, Kevin Maloney and the Rise Up to HIV campaign. We have Robbie. Hi, everyone. My name is Robbie, and I am from Dublin in Ireland. So basically, my story starts off in 2012. I was 21 when I was given my HIV diagnosis. Back then, I knew, like, no one living with HIV. I didn't even know HIV existed in Ireland. So you can imagine the shock of that diagnosis. Was I the only 21-year-old man in Ireland of my HIV? And at the beginning, I felt so low. I felt I had no confidence, nothing. I felt I was dirty, unclean, polluted. And I also allowed others to think that of me. I think when you first get a HIV diagnosis, you think you deserve these thoughts, but you don't. And after a few months of living with HIV, I was like, hey, listen, I'm not a bad person. I'm not dirty or unclean. Why am I allowing these thoughts? And why am I allowing others to think of them of me? So I wanted to go back to normality. So what i done was I created a new normal. And that was basically bringing the pre-HIV diagnosis, fun, carefree, confident Robbie, and this new Robbie who has this amazing life perspective, thanks to HIV, and put them together into itself. And this new self basically said, I will never, ever allow myself to be treated or seen as less. Because I'm not. No one lived my HIV is. So my positive message to you all is, HIV for me was an opportunity to say, my life is now a blank canvas. I'm the painter of this blank canvas. And I'm going to make my life what I want it to be. And I haven't looked back and I've never been happier. I think you can do it too. Because... Life's too short otherwise. Let's do it. That's love. I love it. I love it. HIV, I'm a blank, blank canvas and I'm going to paint it. That's awesome. Um, wow. Yeah, really put that in perspective. I have to go check that video out on YouTube. Go check out Rise Up to HIV, um, either there or Facebook, and you'll be able to get information and view a whole bunch of other great, great messages. Uh, we're back with uh, Henry Goldring. We have a few minutes left, Henry. I just wanted to get your information for your social media handles so people can either follow you on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or, and your website where people can get information. And then I definitely want you to nail down the, the dates of when your book is going to be available online so people can purchase it. Oh, sure. Well, first of all, there's a, an interview with me in this month's A&U Magazine, and their website is it's out now. Um, I'm not sure if it's online yet, but let me give you the website. 
It's HTTPS colon backslash backslash. It's AUMAG, A-U-M-A-G dot org, O-R-G. And it's a December issue. The cover's up and my name's on the cover. And I'm not sure if my interview is yet, but keep checking. And my book, which is called Unbelievable, um, will be out probably after December 15th. You can check at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. And their web page is unbelievablememoir.com. I said that isn't ready to go yet, but before the end of the year, it should be. If somebody goes to it now, they'll see an old version of the book, but that's not available. Wait for the new version to come out, all right? And there, the picture on the cover is me as a little boy, so you won't miss it. Yes, yes. Awesome. Well, Henry, thank you so much for sitting down with us and sharing your story and, and enlightening our, our audience with, um, you know, what you do, the, the amazingness of what Henry Goldring is, because it's truly unbelievable. Well, I appreciate Well, I thank you so much. I appreciate it. I mean, my, I don't know if the moral of the story is, you just have to find that spark and reason to get up in the morning. And it's hard. I mean, I'm not painting a Pollyanna story here, the ups and downs of your life, but you've got to find a reason to go on and to help somebody else to make your life worthwhile. And that's really what I am all about through my music and my writing. There you go. There you go. Well, Henry, thank you so much for sitting down with us, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. You too. Thank you. I appreciate this very much. Thanks, both of you. You're welcome. Thank you, Henry. Have a great day. All right. So there you have it. More information on Henry you can find on our social media Handles at Pawsline Radio, and we'll be uh, posting everything there for you throughout the show. Um, what a great guy! Um, really busy. I right. like people who, so... uh, who I like people who spread awareness, doing different things. Exactly. You know, and, and... Exactly. I mean, there's no there's no cookie cutter way for advocacy. I mean, and and I and I love dispelling that myth. That, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times when cookie cutter advocacy comes into play, and it's needed. But I love how we can show that. No matter what your skills, no matter what your talents, what area they're in, you can still use your platform in, in some way or another to touch others, and, and I love that. I absolutely love that message. Yes, yes, I'm excited. And don't forget, um, next week we will be sitting down with uh, the Positive the Fearless Five um, and sitting with them, and it will be a special time next Sunday. Um, I think Sunday is the 16th, correct? I think that's the day, yeah, the 16th, it'll be at 3 p.m. next next week, so I'll be posting information about that, but um, I'm just going to go ahead and play the Positively Fearless uh, campaign uh, and then uh, the outro, so uh, Brady, I hope you enjoy the rest of your uh, Sunday, and have a good week. Thank you, Robert, and thanks to all of our listeners. Life isn't meant to be perfect. It's meant to be lived. Freely. Boldly. Fearlessly. It's meant to honor all that we are. Vibrant. Beautiful. Resilient. And HIV positive. Yes, the road can be tough. But it's worth it. We are worth it. And our stories matter. Together, we are redefining what it means to live with HIV. We are accepting ourselves, loving ourselves, and caring for ourselves, fully and openly. Because making thoughtful choices enables us to live the lives we want to lead. 
together, we are facing every challenge and celebrating every success. We are looking toward the future with purpose and promise. And we're showing others what is possible when we, when we, when we are positively fearless. That's right, folks. Next week, uh, December 16th, we're going to have a special live show. I'm going to be sitting down with the other uh, Positively Fearless Ambassadors, and I'm going to be interviewing them, and they're going to be sharing what it's like uh, to live Positively Fearless and what it means to them, so you don't want to miss that next week. Again, here at Time Radio, December 16th, and the special time will be at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on that date, so don't want to miss that. Mark your calendars. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Pause I Am Radio, your dose of hope. Connect with the show at pauseiamradio.com or on social media, and we'll see you next time.